everybody. Welcome to the RUF at the University of Wisconsin-Madison podcast. My name is Danny Heineman. I'm the campus minister here. And uh, we are beginning a series this week, um, a series of podcasts that we're going to be recording about the topic of communion with God. Um, we're doing this because we're unable to meet together for large group this spring, uh, as we were last fall. And uh, there are just some things that would be good, I think, for us to consider uh, together, even though we are apart. Um, so uh, we're going to be doing uh, a, this series. It's going to run, I don't know, four or five weeks or so, uh, maybe longer, maybe shorter, probably longer. And um, it is going to be revolving around this idea of communion. Communion is one of those words that gets, uh, depending on what tradition you're from in the church, or if you're from the church at all, it's one of those words that can get thrown around a lot. A lot of times when people hear that word, they think of the thing that we call the sacrament of communion, right? When we eat bread and drink wine and uh, do that at church. But communion is actually a much bigger category. Um, it's a much bigger umbrella or, or topic or way of thinking about what it means to be a Christian. And I actually think it's, it's a really critical thing to understand. I think this is a thing that, um, again, depending on what kind of church you're from, or if you're from a church at all, um, it is something that is not super common, I think, to talk about or to understand. So what is communion? Um, communion is a lot of things, but fundamentally, I think it's, it's helpful to think about or to understand based on uh, the word itself. Uh, the word union is there. And uh, the prefix com is there, so it's 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 like a union with, right? It's the experience of like uh, a of relational connectivity. The reason that we think it's important is because this is actually what the Bible is all about. I mean, the Bible the Bible is a book that is not a magic book, but it is a, a special and unique book. It's a book about people, places, and things, um, and their relationship to God, right? It's about God and who he is and what he does, uh, what he did in the past and what he's doing, maybe even now, uh, for what we should expect for God to be doing now. And it, and it helps us to think and to talk about God, right? Um, it gives us the language. It helps us to understand what it means actually to even be a person. So fundamentally, when you think about this, the, the Bible is, is at its root, or the Bible is fundamentally about the relationship between God and his creation. Now, creation, creation is very simply this. Creation is everything. <laughs> it's everything that is, everything that has ever been. The ground that we walk on, it's the sky that we look at, it's the air that we breathe, it's the, it's the laws of physics even that, that keep us on the ground and able to breathe in the air, right? It is everything that's happened in history. It's everything that will happen in the future. It's, it's, it's our own mind, right? The way that we think about ourselves, we perceive ourselves. Um, all cultures have to do with God's creation. All artifacts of those cultures are God's creation. It's the stuff that is. That's what creation is. Creation is everything. And in Christian theology, what we say about this is that this creation is not self-sustaining, right? It didn't make itself. And this is not actually just a Christian thing. This is a thing that philosophers really for thousands and thousands of years have understood, even and especially non-Christian philosophers. They understood that there must be some source from which all of this comes. Even, I mean, regardless of how you think about the way that species develop or the mechanics of the origins of the universe, 
reason can help you to see very clearly that there must be some beginning. There must be some source. And what Christians have said is that that source is God. God is the one who made everything, and God is the one who sustains everything, even now. And so there are these two things. You've got God, and then you've got his creation. And the question is, how do those two things relate? I mean, that's entirely central to what it is the Bible talks about. And so one of the ways that the Bible and that Christian theologians have talked about this relationship between God and his creation is this word communion. There's even this really this really great book, but really difficult and kind of trippy book that I tried to read a few years ago, and the, but the title is really great. The title is Being as Communion. So like existence is communion is the argument that this guy's that this guy makes. Communion is another way of saying participation. Communion is participation in something. It is to be one with. And if you just trace the story that the Bible tells, you can see that this is the case. The, the basic movements of the story that the Bible tells, and the Bible does tell a story primarily, we usually break down in about four movements. And the first one is this. The first one is creation. That is at the very beginning of the Bible. It is these opening chapters of the book of Genesis, right? Even the word Genesis is another way of saying the beginning. What the scriptures teach is that at the beginning, the beginning began with God. God was not himself created, but God created everything that is. But if you have read the story before, if you've hung around Christians of the church before, you'll know that there is this thing called sin that we talk about. And sin entered the world in this event that we call the fall of creation. And so the idea is that God made creation good, totally good, right? It was not lacking in anything. Um, everything worked together in harmony. And in particular, human beings were morally upright. Uh, they were not these violent creatures who go to war or abuse one another or insult one another or hate one another, anything like that. But through this event called the fall, sin entered into the world. And through sin, death entered into the world. And Really, from that point on, this happens in the third chapter of Genesis. From that point on, again, if you know the story, the rest of the Bible is about God dealing with the problem that the fall introduced. Now, one of the effects of the fall, or one of the effects of sin, is a rupture. It's a disruption in the relationship between God and man. And you'll notice this if you read the story in chapter 3 of Genesis. The first thing that Adam and Eve do once they have sinned is they go hide. First, they're ashamed of their own uh, nakedness before one another. And so they presumably hide themselves, but then they go and they hide, they hide from God. And so one of the things that the Bible is trying to teach us is that the presence of sin in a relationship uh, disrupts that relationship. And that is certainly what happened between uh, God and man and between God and all of his creation, really. And so at the very beginning of the Bible, you see that there is this conflict. You see a world that was made uh, good and right and a, a place for God and man to dwell together in perfect unity or communion. And then you see the entrance of sin into this world and you see the disruption of the communion that uh, mankind enjoyed with God or right at the very beginning. And so if this is the major problem that is introduced, the major conflict introduced into the story, uh, it makes sense then that the rest of the Bible would really be about, at root, dealing with the problem of the disrupted communion between God and his creation. 
And so the Bible moves on and on, and there's all kinds of stories about God beginning to gather a people, and he brings a people out of slavery in Egypt, and he says, you will be my people. But you have to understand that those people were, gather, were being gathered together to be a means by which people would enter into communion with God. They were to be a nation of priests, is the language that the Bible uses. And as the story goes along, you see that Israel is sometimes good at its vocation. Most of the times it's not so good. Um, but all of that is a, is a period of preparation for the one true priest to come, the one true means by which we could re-enter into that communion with God that we enjoyed in the garden. And that person is Jesus Christ. The reason that the early church was spending so much time uh, trying to figure out how to talk about Jesus and come up with all these different theological definitions of the identity of Jesus was because what they, under, they understood that the Bible was about God seeking to restore this life of communion that creation once had and had now lost. And the, the difficult thing to articulate was how Jesus was the one who actually did it. But what they understood and what we understand now in the, in the story that the Bible presents is that God himself came finally to overcome the rupture that had occurred between the relational rupture that had occurred between God and his creation. And the way that he did it is he became man, which is hard to even understand. And this is why it took so much energy for, and, and it was so difficult for so many of our early theologians, and is even difficult now to, to even understand or describe or think about it. it stretches the capacity of language even the definitions that the early church came up with as they read the scriptures was that god and man dwelled together in the person of jesus you had he was fully god and fully man united together the fancy phrase that theologians use for that is the hypostatic union the reason that it's, it's actually a very critical phrase to understand because what it means is that in the person of jesus there is a union, or we could even say maybe a reunion, of God and his creation. They're actually held together in the person of Jesus. And so you see why it is entirely necessary for Jesus to become incarnate. You know, one of the questions that people often ask is like, well, if God was just going to, if he was just going to forgive sins anyway, why didn't he just do it right away? I don't know why God's timing is the way that it is, but the incarnation itself is actually an, an utterly necessary event for the problem that we see come up in Genesis 3 to be dealt with. There is a relational disruption that happens when sin enters the world. That disruption has to be sewn back together. And it is kind of sewn back together in, in the very person of Jesus. And the way that the New Testament describes salvation is that we are in Christ. Our identity or our life, as difficult as it, this is to imagine, is united in the incarnate Son of God. And so there is a union by virtue of our union with Jesus. There's a union. Now, that union is not fully realized, right? I mean, we don't see God now. We, very few of us hear from God. There is a sense in which that union has not been uh, consummated in its fullness. And so we do kind of... One of the ways that we talk about the story the Bible tells is we await the consummation of the kingdom of heaven and earth, right? When God, the place where God is and the place where we are will be kind of fully brought back into one. The Venn diagram of those two realms will be brought back together. But it is very really here. I mean, we are united to Christ and therefore uh, participating in God in a, in a very real sense by his spirit now.
And so uh, the, the point of that little sketch is just to help you to understand that communion and communion with God is this very critical category uh, that we have to understand if we're going to be um, making good sense of the Bible and if we really want to understand what it means to be a Christian. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through theological categories that we like to emphasize here in RUF, and we're going to show how this bigger and overarching theme of communion works uh, together with those things. So we're going to talk about communion and scripture. We're going to talk about how communion is to be understood through the written word of God. We're going to talk about communion and justification, how justification is, is a means or the means by which we enter into this relationship of communion with God. We're going to talk about sanctification, how the process of becoming holy uh, is related to our already one relationship of communion with God. And then we're going to talk about glorification and how the hope and direction of both the scriptures and of our lives is directed towards this reality of communion. Communion with God is the thing that we were made for. It was lost in the entry of sin into this world, and it was gained for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it's something that we receive when we come to faith. And it is a thing that we will enjoy forevermore when Christ comes to make all things new. Okay, it's a brief introduction to what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks. Every Friday, I'm going to be releasing new episodes. I hope that you all tune in and enjoy it.